0: She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha.
1: Hi loves, welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Blonde podcast. Today I had the pleasure interviewing Christine Hassler and we discussed a very sensitive topic. Expectation handover. How to overcome disappointment in work, love, and life. Christine Hassler is famous best-selling author, keynote speaker, master coach, and podcast host who is committed to guiding people and organizations into their highest potential. She lost her successful job as a Hollywood agent at 25 to pursue a life she could be passionate about but it did not come easily after being inspired by her own unexpected challenges and experiences she realized her journey was indeed her destination so today christine and i will be talking about the expectation hangover this is a term that christine defined and trademarked also we'll be talking about how can we avoid feeling regret over lost chances How can a person feeling broken and helpless can improve their circumstances? How can we stop emotional suppression? How can we stop others from damaging our self-worth? How can we break the barriers that we built around our hearts because of bad experiences and so much more? But before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hi, Christine. Hi there. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. How are you today?
2: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, thank you so much for being my guest. And of course, you have such an amazing background and being famous and incredible in your industry. We would love to learn more about you and your career. What do you want to know? Oh, how did you start your road to success? And what was your secret? Oh my goodness! Well, I think like so
2: many people, it wasn't planned, you know. And so we all have our journey, and it's full of what I call a lot of expectation hangovers when things don't go according to plan, or they go according to plan, but we don't feel like we thought we would, or life just throws us an unexpected curveball. And that, for me, is is really how I got to where I am. Like I just had a lot of disappointments and a lot of very successful careers and endeavors that you know I reach a certain pinnacle of success and go wait a second, this isn't me. This is what I want to do. I don't like this. And I eventually realized that I was very um, achievement addicted. I was trying to mask the uh, huge insecurities I had and lack of self-worth and feeling like I didn't belong and fit in that came from a lot of childhood teasing and bullying. I was trying to compensate for all of that by being successful in my external life. And it was good in the sense of, you know, I was able to be successful in various things. However, it was bad in the sense of I never really felt fulfilled. So I had in my twenties, my quarter life crisis where everything came crashing down around me, left a very successful industry, um, went into debt, got dumped by my fiance, was estranged from my family, started having all kinds of health problems. And I realized the common denominator in all those things was me. And I could either be a victim and just assume that life is not fair. And no matter how hard I work, I'm not gonna get where I want. Or I could see that I was the common denominator in all of those things. And I could take an honest look at myself. And that's what really got me into personal development. The first personal development book that I read when I was 24 years old um, is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And then I found a, a, a kind of a spiritual life coach that I started going to. I had been in therapy since I was 11 but I, I wasn't really making progress from it. I felt like I could talk about my problems, but not really change them. I could analyze myself, but not really transform myself. That isn't a dig on therapy. It just wasn't, it wasn't really working for me anymore. I needed something different. And so when I started seeing a life coach, I learned more about emotional release work and I learned more about our relief systems and I learned more about spirituality. And I really got to the core of a lot of what was driving me and a lot of my own pain and suffering and a lot of what was stored in my unconscious, a lot of memories and, and wounds and things that I just buried and, and covered up by distracting myself with work or um, being busy, which I think a lot of us do. Busyness seems to be a badge of honor these days. And so it was in all that that I realized, oh my gosh, there's so much pressure in our 20s to figure everything out from you know who we want to be with to who we want to be to what we want to be doing. And I I decided to write a book about it. My first book is 20-something, 20-everything that came out in 2005, which is crazy. It seems like yesterday. Um, And that catapulted me into all of a sudden, you know, becoming a life coach. I then started speaking at both colleges and corporations on generational diversity. Then I went back and, you know, I I was trained as a life coach. And then I went back and got a master's degree in, in spiritual psychology and another one in consciousness, health and healing and started to blend in other modalities to what I was doing. And then that transitioned into leading retreats and speaking internationally and, and starting a coaching institute and being on faculty at my school. And it all just, it all just flowed from, from that initial moment of deciding I was going to look at how I, how I was at cause versus at effect of the things that were happening in my life.
1: Such a wonderful story! All of those dots connected for you in the perfect way. Yes, love it. And would you please tell us more about expectation hangover?
2: Sure. So, an expectation hangover is well, it's a it's a term that I made up, and it's when one of three things happen: either life doesn't turn out like you planned, you I don't know, I'll just make something up. You promise yourself you're going to be married by 30 or making $150,000 by 35 or whatever these kind of goals and timelines we put on and, or Or you go for a job interview that you really, really want and you don't get it. These are an example of an expectation hangover of having a plan and it not going according to plan and being incredibly disappointed. Another kind of expectation hangover is when we achieve a result we finally get that job or get in that relationship or a health condition is cured, but we don't feel like we thought we would. We don't feel all of a sudden confident or all of a sudden worthy or all of a sudden abundant or we're just like, wait a second, I've achieved this external thing, but inside I still feel disappointed. And then the third kind of expectation hangover is when life throws us an unexpected curveball. You get a diagnosis, you get dumped, you get fired. I think 2020 and everything that's happened in the past almost two years has been a massive expectation hangover for most people. And most people are dealing with disappointment and stress and anxiety and fear and uncertainty and all, all the fields. And why I decided to write a book about expectation hangovers is because, you know, as a coach now, I started coaching in 2004. So I'm coming up to 20 years of being a coach and working with people. I found that people don't come to me either individually or to a retreat or to a program because everything's going great. They come because they're, they're in an expectation hangover. They're disappointed in some way. Something has not gone according to plan or life has thrown them a curveball. and expectation hangovers when we leverage them, when we're willing to ask what am I learning versus why is this happening to me? Which is huge. That distinction I'll repeat it again. We want to ask what am I learning? And even what does this remind me of? versus why is this happening to me? Too many of us get stuck in the, why is this happening to me? What did I do wrong? The universe is hard on me. Life hates me. I'm not manifesting right. We get into the cycle of self-blame. And when we're in that victim and self-blame, we can't get to the learning. And when we can learn from our disappointments, we can learn from our expectation hangovers and learn what they remind us of, then we have the opportunity to heal. So to speak more specifically, let's just say that you continue to get laid off or not get the jobs that you want. And you may just think, well, I'm, I'm not good enough. Right. Or, you know, life is just not fair for me. Well, if you actually kind of look at that disappointment of not getting the jobs you want or continuing to get fired and say, okay, what does this remind you of? If you go back into childhood, it'll probably remind you of either being rejected from your peer group or, you know, you didn't make the school play or just a feeling of rejection. Or maybe you had parents that never made you feel like you were enough. Like you you had to get a straight A plus 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 in order to get any validation from them. They were hard on you, you had massive expectations and you just unconscious, subconsciously form this view of yourself that you're just not enough and you're just not good enough. And that's sort of the energy that you broadcast energetically out there And so you keep having these expectation hangovers of getting fired, for example, because the IntelliKey of the soul or the IntelliKey of the human spirit, basically what every human is here to do is to evolve in our consciousness. It's not to get a job or make a certain amount of money or get married by a certain age. Those are all beautiful, wonderful things if you want them. It's more to move out of fear and more into love, to really understand who we are, to understand that we are worthy, that we are whole, that we are complete, and that we are one with everyone else. And we can move into this more generosity of the human spirit and connected and really just being love, which is how we start. It's how we're born. We're born as pure love, but then it kind of gets conditioned out of us and things happen to us that make us forget the truth of who we are. So going back to this example of, you know, what am I learning from being fired? What does this remind me of? Oh my gosh, it reminds me of all those times in school I felt rejected or all those times as a child, I felt not enough for my parent. It's the same feeling. I'm feeling worthless. I'm feeling rejected. I'm not enough. And then like in my book, Expectation Hangover, you work with that on the emotional, mental, behavioral, and spiritual level, and you work to unhook from those beliefs and unhook from that emotion and really step in to your worth and who you are now, rather than continuing to be programmed by past events. And if you can use the disappointment and all the feelings that are triggered by current expectation hangover, to go back and heal some stuff from your past, then the amazing thing is, you don't have to have the same expectation hangovers over and over again. In fact, I can think of a, a client actually that I was working on, working with on this specific issue. She just couldn't maintain a job or couldn't get the job she wanted. And when we went back and dealt with a lot of the rejection issues, she felt both at school and at home and really healed that. Lo and behold, she got a job six months later. And I I, I believe she's still in that job right now. So that's the value of expectation hangovers. And the danger is that when we have a disappointment, when we have an expectation hangover, we want to just get over it. We want to just numb it. We want to feel better. We want to overdo something, whether it's working or eating or drinking or Instagramming or whatever it may be. And we try just to get through it rather than really go in it and leverage it and use it. You know, I, I actually wrote that book um, after my divorce when in my early 30s. And I remember someone said to me, you know, milk this divorce for all it's worth, really go into the grief, go into the sense of failure, go into like why you ended up marrying this person and why you ended up getting divorced. And I was like, "You're that's, that's right, that's correct because I never want to get divorced again. I was clear I wanted to get married again, but I was also clear I didn't want to get divorced again. And I used that time. I mean, I spent years not dating single to really grieve every heartache I ever had, starting with my own father. Like every heartache, every pain, every grief, how I showed up in the relationship, I just left no, cor- no corner unturned. And that led me to have a much better relationship with myself, way more self-love and led me to eventually attract a partner who I'm married to now, who is like the love of my life. So perfect for me in so many ways. And we're having a relationship based on our values and our future and where we wanna go and who we are now. Cause he's done a ton of work on himself too versus having a relationship based on our past wounding and so that's the beautiful value of expectation hangovers when we don't just brush them under the rug when we really leverage the healing and learning opportunities then we can have much better
1: more aligned things come into our life I love how you defined it such a beautiful and deep answer and I've learned this over time myself that I used to get upset at everything that happened to me but then I finally learned my life lessons and I started to ask myself, I mean, this became a question number one for me all the time. If anything happens to me, I'm the first I ask myself, what am I learning from this? And then I don't get upset over it. I just try to get the best out of the situation and to learn as much as I can. So I I mean, so it doesn't happen to me again if I make some mistakes or I just learn from the situation. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And we, when we want, when we're thinking about learning, we don't just want to think, okay, what do I not do again? Or, you know, what, um, how can I prevent this from happening? We really want to learn, you know, what were my beliefs, my past wounds, my issues that brought this situation into my life? Because there's something that it wants me to heal. There's something that it wants to bring my attention to and my awareness to. So I think a lot of times we look at learning as just, okay, well, how do I prevent this from happening in the future? And that's a good step. That's a beautiful step and that's an important part, but we wanna take it a level deeper and go, okay, what brought this into my life in the first place? Again, what is this reminding me of? How can I go way back to the first time I had feelings like this so that I can actually heal the core issue? You know. Emotional healing and mental healing is very similar to physical. You've got to get to the root cause. I'm sure you and a lot of your listeners can think of either yourself or someone you know who has some ailment that they just can't seem to get rid of and they treat symptoms or they think they know the reason. And then eventually they get to the root cause of what is the physical illness. And that's when things shift. So my work with people is helping people get to the root cause so that they can actually have lasting transformation instead of having to repeat the same lessons over and over and over again.
1: Even if anything happens or people get sick or there is also always on a deeper level, there is something that have, I mean, they have issue that they haven't worked and it became the physical issue. Exactly. Exactly. So many I'm tempted to say all, but I'm going to
2: say so many physical issues, ailments, even diseases have an emotional root. They, they do. And there's there's books like The Secret Language of Your Body or Louise Hayes' work or um, The Biology of Beliefs um, that really talk about how there's, you know, you can look at any ailment you have from alopecia to migraines to cancer and look at what the emotional connection is. And we have to be careful when we do this because we don't want to blame ourselves. Like I I use the word cancer for anyone listening that knows someone or may have this, I'm not saying it's your fault or that you manifested this, you brought this on yourself. because That's one, not true. And and two, something I would never say because I don't think that that's helpful for people. It makes people go into a cycle of blame. And when we can look at some of the emotional blockages or causes or wounds that are likely to result in something like cancer, it can be part of our healing, not from, this is my fault. I attracted this, but more from, I want to get better. I want to heal. I'm going to look at the emotional aspect as well. I'm not just going to treat this on the physical level.
1: I agree. How can a person feeling broken and helpless can improve their circumstances?
2: Well, first and foremost, know that you're not broken and helpless. That's the number one thing. As long as you think you're broken, you, you, aren't, you aren't fixable, right? If I think I'm fundamentally broken, I will waste so much money on therapy and personal development books because they won't work. Because on some, believe, on some level, I believe that I'm broken. It's just like, you know, look at you, you have this amazing podcast. You have this incredible, huge following. If on some deep level, you believe that you had nothing to offer the world, you wouldn't be where you are today. You and I wouldn't be talking. You wouldn't have such a large following because that would have sabotaged you. Right? So we have to look at where we think that we're broken and helpless and go, okay, first of all, that's not true. I'm a human being. Stuff has happened to me in my life that has made me feel broken and helpless. However, I know that I'm not. I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm willing to accept myself as whole and complete with just some things to learn. When we can switch from like a victim, hopeless, helpless, I'm a piece of crap mindset, to I'm a human being having a human experience, And everything I'm doing for my personal development and healing is not because anything's wrong with me. It's because I want to learn how to be more loving to myself. I want to learn how to let go of my trauma. I want to learn how to let go of old beliefs. I want to learn how to really free myself. And when we can come at any kind of change from that mindset, we're going to have much better results.
1: Such an incredible answer. It made me feel so great even I know like I have my moments as you shared I have a podcast and large following yes but as you mentioned but I'm just you're interested. still human <laughs> yes I have my moments when I feel down and what you shared now like I will re-listen after I'm sure so many of you guys will as well because it's just priceless what you shared
2: <laughs> oh thank you well you know this is all stuff I've had to learn you know, myself. And the other thing, the the beautiful thing about what I do is that I have seen, I don't even know, thousands and thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people at this point, either speaking or in workshops or whatever. And everybody on some level thinks that they're worthless or not enough or broken in some way. And it's, it's a human epidemic and it's one of the things we all must overcome is realizing we're no better and no worse than anyone else that we're all we have we look different we come from different backgrounds but we are all so worthy of love and we are all so worthy of connection and belonging and all of those things and we spend so much of our life trying to prove ourselves but to who i mean really to ourselves you know my whole career in hollywood was about proving myself to myself because I felt so desperately insecure. And I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be on my deathbed and go, well, I sure achieved a lot. (laughs) I I sure like prove my worth because I checked off these boxes. No, I wanna be on my deathbed and go, oh my gosh, like I have evolved my consciousness in this lifetime. I have loved, I have connected, I have served, I have enjoyed the human experience. I have felt the wind on my face and the sunshine on my skin and jumped in the ocean and ate really good chocolate and had amazing sex and just all the beautiful things that humans can do. And we lose sight of that because we get so caught up in proving ourselves, proving our worth, proving we're enough. And you know what that is? It's a recipe for not only regrets on our deathbed, but it's a recipe for a lot of anxiety and even depression because enough never feels like enough. So one of the most liberating moments in my life is when I finally, finally got, oh my gosh, there's nothing I have to prove. Like I am worthy and deserving and all that, just like everybody else's. And it's been through my work and facilitating so many people and seeing the, the beauty and the worthiness and all people all around the world, all different skin colors, languages, backgrounds, ages, genders, everything, and just seeing the preciousness and the the worthiness and the completeness and the wholeness in every human experience. And so one of my suggestions for all people is to connect more with people, not like in a social networking way. I mean, that's fine too, but just when you're out in the world, look into people's eyes, see the beauty in people, see that, like, no one's better or worse than anyone else and that will help you see yourself in that way too because we often see other people way easier than we see ourselves we're often way harder on ourselves than anyone else you know we can sit in a room full of people and think everybody here is worthy except me and it's a tragedy we do that to ourselves because when we do that to ourselves we cut ourselves off you know that's one of the reasons i think there's so much separation and competition and division is because we have a bunch of people running around wounded, not feeling enough, and either going into victim or blaming others. And it just reinforces a separation that is really, really heartbreaking. So I think all of our individual work is to give up the proving, give up the, you know, trying to get our enoughness checked off through some external thing and really sinking into the knowing that. We are whole we are complete we are loved
1: and we are enough just as we are i couldn't agree more this is so perfect what you mentioned mm. uh, what is spirit, spiritual awakening actually feels like i mean i know it, it looks and feels so different for everyone but in general based on your experience what do you think well
2: you're right. It is so different for everyone. And everyone has a different definition and relationship to their experience of spirituality, right? What can feel spiritual for me may not feel spiritual for you. So first and foremost, we have to, or we get to really look at, all right, what is spiritual for me? For some people, like coming home to their dog and their dog being so happy to see them and just being filled with unconditional love can be a spiritual experience for other people. They could have a profound near death experience where they get, see the light and get close to that and float above their bodies and decide they don't want to die. And that could be their spiritual experience for someone else. It could be a yoga practice for years for someone else. It could be a meditation practice, but I would say the thing that would count as an awakening is when Uh, An awareness shifts to an embodiment. Uh, An idea shifts to an actual experience. So what does that mean? Well, for me, I I, well, I was raised Catholic, never really connected to it. I always felt, and this isn't a, a dig on Catholicism. This was just my experience. My experience, maybe the place that I went to, it just felt there was a lot of right and wrong. There was a lot of judgment at least that was my experience and i was already hard enough on myself <laughs> and i was really longing for spirituality where i felt like all was welcome and that there wasn't a lot of judgment and so my path to spirituality was more non-denominational just really connecting to the universe i use the word god as meaning this unconditional loving all accepting warm um for good force And so I studied spirituality in different forms for years and had an awareness of it, but I hadn't experienced it in my body. And I was actually in grad school. I think it was for my first master's in spiritual psychology. And we were at our practicum, which is like a week long event that we went away for, for graduation. We had to go through all these different processes. And I was working through something And and part of my spiritual psychology program is you had to be the client as well. Like you learned how to be a counselor, but you also had to bring your own things forward and be the client because, you know, we believe that the best coaches and counselors are people that have done their own work. So I was processing something really hard for me. I was, I was really angry. And then I got really sad and I was just in this dark place of sadness, but I was letting myself go into the sadness with no judgment. No part of me was saying You shouldn't be feeling this way or when is this going to be over? I just let myself be sad and go to that kind of deep, dark place. And what happened was after going to that deep, dark place, I just felt all of this love come in, not from anybody in the room, spiritually, just all of this love come in when I kind of got to my rock bottom and it just surrounded me and it was so powerful. I actually started to shake a little bit. Because it was just like, whoa, oh my gosh, this is so much love. And that was my spiritual awakening. That was when I was like, wow, this is what unconditional love feels like. This is the divine. This is, this is the awakening. This is all there is. Like, this is love. This is who we really are. And so that's what I mean by an embodiment and experience. It shifted from a concept and an awareness to an actually an actual experience of feeling unconditional love. And so the the short answer, because I've been very long so far to your question is to me, a spiritual awakening is when we actually experience in our body, the feeling of unconditional, almost overpowering love that just cracks our heart way open. And we realize we are one with everything and everyone.
1: Well, very interesting. For me, it was a little bit different as far as I always believed in God and I always, um, you know, believed in superpower. And but for some reason, I've had anxiety, panic attacks, and I kind of was a little bit not as myself as far as like I lost hopes for some reason because of circumstances I was going through and after well for me going through all this experience I kind of started believing more and started more I mean started believing more in um, universe and spiritual power again but I had to go through that awful experience to I mean believe again and have hope again you had to have an
2: expectation hangover
1: yeah definitely (laughs)
2: yeah exactly exactly and what does spirituality feel like to you
1: well as now I kind of I believe in as far as like I love to do yoga I believe in energy but I also believe in God so it's definitely like you explained unconditional love but it also unconditional hope kind of I trust the universe as well like I don't resist and I kind of know that if something doesn't work out, then it means something better is coming. So kind of like that. That's beautiful. High performance coaches always say that we have to take a break. We have to take time off and rest for a little bit. I mean, I believe in this too, that we had to take a pause to come back and to start with, you know, new and fresh. So, I mean, it's also when you're always a creator, when you work in, especially in creative environment, you have to take a break to come back and have the stronger um, start. So what do you think about it?
2: Well, I think that, you know, the whole stronger start thing puts pressure on ourselves, right? Because it's like, if I have to have a stronger start, then I have to do better, which implies that I did something wrong. I believe our superpower, especially as women, or people that really identify with that more feminine energy, and I'm gonna guess a lot of your listeners are women, we have to step into compassion. We, listen, I love men. I This is not an anti-men comment. We all have been, men and women have been living in a very patriarchal system and world where pushing ourselves is rewarded, working really hard is rewarded, selfishness is rewarded, greed is rewarded. Um, How do we make profit for an individual or small group of individuals versus like the whole, all those things have been rewarded in a lot of ways. And so I think a lot of us that wanna make a contribution, wanna be entrepreneurs, wanna serve in the world, we fall into that trap of thinking we need to push ourselves and we need to like be better. And learn from our failures and all those kinds of things. And we we leave compassion behind. We totally leave compassion behind and we're harder on ourselves. Like if we think we failed or were defeated or, you know, didn't do good enough in some way, we just, our inner critic comes up more. Like, have you ever noticed that if you think you didn't do something good enough, you'll be harder on yourself and push yourself
1: harder the next time. Have you ever done yeah, that? Always.
2: <laughs> yeah, always, always. And Here's the thing, it may be effective, but it's not sustainable. Like think of this, if as a child, would you really, if you came home and you worked really hard on a project and you got a C and your parents were like, oh, you better try harder next time, you didn't do good enough, C is not very good, you didn't work hard enough. You'd maybe work harder to get the B or the A, but you would feel like a piece of crap. You'd feel awful about yourself, you'd feel worthless. But if you came home and you said, oh, you got a C, how do you feel about that? Well, I kind of feel sad. You feel sad, I get that. Tell me more about that. And you you have compassion for how the person feels about getting a C (laughs) instead of telling them they're wrong and they need to try harder. You have compassion for it, you be with the emotions. And then you ask, do you want to do this again? Because that's the other thing. A lot of times we fail or we're defeated at something And it's kind of like, because it's not aligned or it's not the direction we want to go. But because we skip over compassion and only go to self-criticism, we just try harder the next time instead of checking in and going, do I really want to do this again? Or do I want to do something else? Or do I want to do this differently? So we must have compassion and take an honest look rather than trying to have a
1: stronger start or, or make it better the next time.
2: Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. And you know, funny thing about my family was always, I mean, I was a great student, but whenever I had these moments in my family, everyone told me, as long as you're happy and healthy, that's all matters. And whatever you got, C or B, that's all fixable. (laughs) Exactly. How can we stop emotional suppression?
2: Feel our feelings. (laughs) Feel our feelings. Like... And, and if you get a copy of Expectation Hangover, I walk you through how to do this. We suppress our feelings, we numb our feelings, we distract ourselves from feelings. And when we do feel our feelings, we judge ourselves instead of have compassion. I mean, some of you may be thinking, I do feel my feelings, I cry. But what are you thinking when you're crying? Are you thinking, I can't believe I'm crying again, I should be over this, why is this happening to me? I'm so sad. You're judging and analyzing yourself. How we need to release our feelings is have the emotion and then have a voice inside saying, it's okay to be sad. Let it out. I'm here. You got this. So it's that kind of, again, compassion that helps us really release our feelings rather than suppress them. And it's also being aware of our numbing tendencies. Like I know for me, when I'm watching too much TV, I'm numbing my feelings. I need to do some writing, I need to do the temper tantrum technique, I need to do something to like get my feelings out for other people, maybe overworking, drinking, eating, dating, sex, whatever it is, find out what your numbing and distracting technique is and and know it and have a little alarm system inside yourself when you're doing too much of it and know, okay, it's time for me to stop and feel.
1: Mine is definitely overworking, but also I feel like in most of the cases we cry because we feel sorry about ourselves. Like we try to feel sorry that that situation happened to us and why like, you know, we're trying to feel like a victim instead of learning from it. Like you said before, Exactly. how can we stop others from damaging our self-worth? There's a, there's a few ways. First of all,
2: know that the, we just kind of going back to the original injury right? So usually this comes from childhood. My husband and I actually teach an inner child workshop to help with all of this because so many adults try to fix what's going on in their life without really connecting to their inner child. And most of the problems we face as adults stem from our childhood. Most, if not all. I mean, like I said, I've been coaching people for nearly 20 years and I can pretty much trace every single thing back to childhood or at least before the age of 20. So it's going back to that inner child and having a relationship with our inner child and telling him or her that they're worthy and loved and deserving and also letting that inner child get any feelings out that they never had. So many of us had to be good girls or good boys or you know, behave a certain way or um, we fix our parents' emotions or we were oversoothed. We just really never learned how to be with our feelings. We never really learned how to totally be who we are. And so our self-worth gets damaged at a very, very, very young age. Now as adults, no one can damage our self-worth. We only allow them to, but as children, people kind of have that power because as children, we think everything is our fault. We think everything revolves around us. That's just the psychological development that we're at. And so... That's where it gets damaged. So, as as adults, it's important to know no one's damaging our self worth. They're just reminding us of something that happened a long time ago. And so, it's going back and doing that inner child work. And then, as an adult, really, really being loving with ourselves, coming back to that place of knowing we are worthy, we are whole, we are complete. And also knowing that, you know, most of the time people are projecting their own stuff all over us. You know, when someone honks at me or is aggressive in traffic, I know that they probably had a crappy day, or maybe there's someone whose voice is not heard anywhere. And so they get their aggression out in traffic or they're really stressed out about something. If I allow that to affect my worth as a driver or I allow that to make me upset, that's on me, not them. So we can, when we can see that someone's just kind of projecting their own stuff on us and not take it personally, that's another big way we can stop others from damaging our self-worth.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree that when someone is trying to feel that someone else is damaging their self-worth, it's definitely the other person who is trying to take on us, all their mistakes or all their you know, things that happen to them. Exactly, exactly. How can we break the barriers that we have built around our hearts because of bad experiences? For example, I know so many people go through a few divorces and unhealthy, unhappy marriages, and they still don't give up, still get married, and still become happy. And some people just have a bad relationship and never get married again. The question is, how can we break the barriers around our hearts? So... Mm -hmm.
2: Well... A lot of it goes back to what I've already kind of said before. Like I'm always, like my point of view is always come back, comes back to the inner work. So we built barriers around our heart because we've been hurt. We've been hurt. And we think that we protect ourselves from hurt by just building walls, building barriers, sabotaging, keeping people at a distance. Everybody listening has their own technique for how they keep people out. But the real way we break down the barriers is we go into the hurt. We go into the heartache with tenderness, often with help of a counselor or coach or someone that can really be there with us. And we heal it because the barriers are just Band-Aids. We just keep slapping Band-Aids on. And then our heart becomes more and more and more broken because the heart wants to love. The heart wants to connect. And maybe you don't want to connect in an intimate romantic relationship, but maybe you want to have closer friends. Maybe you want to feel more connected to people. You know, we have barriers around our heart. It's also hard to let spirituality in because we don't trust anything. You know, we don't, we trust that we don't trust that love won't hurt us. And so it's going back to that heartache, working on healing those initial wounds, letting ourselves know it's safe to love. You know, after my divorce, when I started dating again, one of the things I had to remind myself is I'm willing to get hurt again, because if I wasn't willing to get hurt, then I wasn't really willing to love and open my heart. And before I met my husband, I did, (laughs) I had definitely had some heartache, but the thing is because I had healed so much of my heartache, I was able to process it. I was able to deal with it because when we haven't healed our heartache, the only way we know to deal with it is just to build more walls. But when we've healed our heartache, if we get hurt again, it's like, okay, I've been here before. I know what to do. I know how to love myself. I know how to guide myself through it. It's okay. If I get hurt, it's safe for me to love. So we have to be willing to go into the hurt so that we can open up our hearts again.
1: Wow, very interesting answer. Willing to get hurt again. I think that's the hardest part for all the people that have been in unsuccessful relationships and go through something like that again. I mean, they feel like it's traumatizing, but as you mentioned, you just have to go through it and heal it, then it becomes better exactly exactly because if we don't heal you're right things
2: are re-traumatizing us
1: yeah where can our listeners find you your social handles and if you offer any courses and where they can purchase your book oh thank you so one of the best places is to go listen to my
2: podcast over and over it and on with it all of the numbered episodes um, are me doing a unscripted, unedited, unproduced coaching therapy session with people. So you can you can listen, you can learn. I break down the show afterwards. It's a really, really great way to get free counseling <laughs> just to listen to the show. And then my Instagram handle is Christine Hassler. Um, I have an inner child course coming up. I have my Be the Queen course coming up, which is for Single women who want to draw in their, their man, they're well aligned, not based on their past <laughs> open hearted relationship with someone who's really aligned. And I, I teach that with my husband. Um, and then if you go to Christinehauser.com, that's where you can find everything and also get a free coaching assessment from me.
1: Wow, this is wonderful. And I also had a pleasure interviewing your husband earlier in my podcast. He provided so much great information as well. We had an amazing conversation. Oh, great. Great. Yeah, he gives some good advice. He does. Yeah. Thank you so much, Christine, for being my guest. Thank you. My pleasure.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. To support the show, tag NBB podcast on your Instagram stories and check out more behind the scenes on Instagram as well at Blunt underscore or Podcast. And if you haven't, subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day.